Bonjour, film lovers. Did you know that you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio? We also have a website, realnerdspodcast.com, where you can find cool articles and other ways to listen to the podcast. You can also follow us on social, Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast, and Twitter and Instagram at Real Nerds. You can also call us at 720-6-NERDS-5. We will listen to it, we will play it, and we will probably commentate on it. Also, email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Anyway, enjoy the episode. Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd can... Doesn't talk film! I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Take it outside. Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd This is Real Nerds Podcast. We are officially the best movie podcast for you to listen to when you want to know what great new movie has come out or not. I am Ryan and I am joined with Brad. Hey. How's it I'm going? here. <laughs> I've had a headache all day, so that is uh completely derailed all my plans. So Yeah. But- yeah, me too. I think mine came from I was up till like two in the morning seeing our film. And then I had to go to a training, which was PowerPoint. So I had to wake up at six to get ready to get to Wheat Ridge by eight. And like the class is really good. But, you know, like when you stare at a computer screen for so long, and you, you don't have any sleep. No, and, I don't know what that's like at all. Yeah, I know. And then you just start getting like a headache and everything hurts to read. Yeah, that's what I went through. When you did your PowerPoint presentation, did you uh, install it while you when you got there, like Michael Scott? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just walked up there and went, PowerPoint, PowerPoint. <laughs> and it went over really well. You didn't prepare for this at all, did you, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> Every week, we see a new movie, and we podcast our experience to the world. This week, we saw the one-week limited engagement of Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Stay tuned, because we will tell you if we recommend the film or not, play the trailer, and then spoil the movie. And, of course, really big spoil warning for a mystery thriller, that the whole premise of the film is predicated on a mystery and the twists. So make sure that if you haven't seen it, that um, you either skip through this part or listen to us spoil the movie because we weave such magical tales. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good good advice. <laughs> um, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we saw Glass Onion. Brad, do you recommend Glass Onion? I do. Uh, I didn't think the mystery was as. Uh, sharp as um, Knives Out, but I I think I enjoyed this one more because overall it just feels more fun. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's a, a total blast in the theater. Like I know this episode probably will come out after the uh, uh, screenings are unavailable, but uh, you know, it, you, if you should have gone to see it in the theater because it's amazing. Uh, this movie's a piece of shit. I don't. It should just go straight to Netflix is how I oh, would. That's too bad. 
make you feel that <laughs> I'm way. <just> kidding. <laughs> um, I, I totally agree with you. Um, this one is, it's really funny. Um, and I really love, uh, Benoit Blanc. I love the character because it'll be spoilers, but, uh, I just love him in both films. And again, it's spoilers. I can't talk about, but you should go see it and have a lot of fun watching it because I had a lot of fun watching it. And I always love when movies are two hours and 30 minutes long and they just fly by. Um, and it's not because there's action or anything like that. It's all the performances and all trying to unravel a mystery that is really fun. Here's a trailer for Glass Onion. Hello! Oh my god! Crew, we've arrived! Disruptors have assembled! Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. Who's that? Benoit Blanc, the detective? Mr. Blanc, I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start? I've invited you all to my island. Hi. Because tonight, a murder will be committed. My murder. Once you're dead, will we still be able to talk to you? Yeah, I'm not playing dead the whole weekend, dude. Well, this is truly delightful. Across the island, I've hidden clues. You will have to closely observe each other. If anyone can name the killer, that person wins our game. Any questions? Alibari. <laughs> That has a kick. Oh my god. What happened? Oh, holy shit. Ladies and gentlemen, there's been a murder, and the killer is in plain sight. For at least one person, this is not a game. I must insist that nobody touch the body. Jeez, detective, who killed the party? I need to find a motive for murder. Everyone would stab a friend in the back to hold on to this rich bastard. Ooh, 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 deal with it. You're all friends. Why would anyone commit murder? Are we even going to talk about the elephant in the room? Am I the elephant? Yeah, you're the elephant. You're not that bad. Are you calling me dangerous? Well, we'll see. Let it all out. Hell yeah! This is reckless. The killer wouldn't hesitate to kill again if it covers their tracks. You must be really great at Clue, huh? I'm very bad at dumb things. Ticking boxes, running around, searching all the rooms. It's just a terrible, terrible game. So Glass Onion uh, revolves around a group of friends that go off to their rich friend's private island for a murder mystery dinner. And Benoit Blanc happens to get invited too. And when he's there, the rich friend Miles, played by Edward Norton, did invite him. So there's a, another mystery afoot that how is how did uh, Benoit get invited and all the people <laughs> involved are really silly characters um, from Kate Hudson's 
um, Lady Bird, who is a designer. A birdie Jay. Yeah. Uh, just like, uh, I don't know, we call her an influencer, designer, model. Yeah, she's a former model and then current uh, like pop star, I think. Yeah, something um, like that. And then also uh, a sweatpants manufacturer. Correct. Uh, Dave Batista is like a right wing um gun twitch, crazy twitch vlogger yeah like uh we, we call it like a man basically he thinks a men's rights activist yeah men's rights activist thank you <laughs> like men need rights um <laughs> which makes it funny because he lives with his mom <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he has a girlfriend named whiskey who's just this like smoking hot girl who just is eye candy um Janelle Monet, who I freaking adore, I think she's beautiful, um, is Cassandra kind of Brand. The out- yeah, like the outsider. She was a partner with Miles, and then there's a falling out that we'd learn about. And who am I forgetting? Um, uh, uh, Peg, uh, Kate Hudson's assistant, is really funny in it. Lionel Toussaint, the uh, scientist at. Oh, Alpha. thank you. There. I knew I was forgetting one. And then, um, I forget her name, but um, uh, Agatha. She's uh, the, like the yeah, aspiring she's senator. A, she's a senator from Connecticut um, or New Hampshire and one of the New England states. So they're all invited and it's going to be like uh, those playhouses that are around town where it's you know, there's actors and there's a murder mystery and you have to solve it. And the murder mystery is Miles and he <laughs> sends these really complicated boxes to everybody and they each have a puzzle. Um, one of my favorite early lines is when Benoit says, oh, yes, yeah, all those children puzzles. I solved that in like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's really offended by it. And it's just a there's a lot more going on and um, it's slowly like a, an onion. You peel back the layers of what happened and it has a, a classic Hitchcock MacGuffin where he's eventually going to uh, Edward Norton's character is going to have this sustainable small piece of hydrogen that can power a whole house, which is powering his, home on his island or is it it's is it his whole island or just his home the whole island yeah and uh they also have a clever use of the pandemic um i didn't know how they're gonna pay off edward norton who paid lots of money to have the mona lisa on loan to him and it has a, a safeguard that he's overridden um that comes into play and a lot happens throughout that you find out that Andy, who uh, Janelle Monet plays, is actually the twin sister of her. And fuck, what's her twin sister's name? Helen. Helen, Helen thank you. Um, she devises a plan with Benoit um, by going to his house with <laughs> the smashed um puzzle box and they decide that they're going to figure out why her sister is dead allegedly by suicide but she believes it was murder because of an envelope she found 
which when they emailed out an envelope. Yeah, uh, which sends it into motion the mystery. Um, but before that even happens, they do have a whole mystery planned that uh, Benoit like smashes immediately <laughs> at the <laughs> dinner, which is amazing. Um, and Edward Norton has this funny line where he says he paid uh, the lady who wrote Gone Girl, Jillian um, Flynn. Yeah, to write it. <laughs> I don't know if that's a dig at her or what, but it was funny. Um, well, I think uh, it was just to highlight that he just b- bought someone really expensive to do it. So, yeah, obviously, she's um, a pr- prominent mystery writer. And so, you know, she comes with a hefty price. Like, I think that was it. for the <laughs> So, yeah, so that mystery uh, is solved by Mr. Blanc really quickly. Um, and as the night goes on, um, Dave Bautista's character dies. And um, now the it's a real murder mystery uh, that has to be unraveled. Which comes in uh, so late in the movie. Uh, yeah. I was, I was surprised the first time I watched it. I watched this, ended up watching this three times before we recorded. Um, you know, the first time I was watching it, I was worried that they're like, I've been pranked by Ryan Johnson that they're, you know, I came out to see a mystery movie and there's actually no murder mystery in it. Yeah, I did um, too. So yeah, I, I think, yeah. Uh, Duke Cody's death comes almost like an hour and 15 minutes in but uh, you don't really care because everything leading up to that is so much fun yeah and it, what's really clever about it is when you when they unva- unravel the whole murder mystery at the end there is like there's actual hints throughout the film of what's happening and much like the first Knives Out where Benoit Blanc seems like he's like a step behind everybody. He's actually four or five steps ahead. You know what I mean? Yeah, they were ahead before the movie started, as you see in the it, second half. Exactly. And so he's really planning ahead. And I, I love the character because Daniel Craig is freaking amazing in these movies. Um, his Southern charm, or I don't even know, like Southern charmer that he is. Uh, just the accent and his flamboyancy, but not overwhelming. You know, it's, it's just, um, it's just a really funny character. Uh, and he plays it so well where he's, you're, he's the smartest guy in the room, but he's not, you don't think that he is, if that makes any sense. Yeah. They actually, uh, make several references to the fact that he's really not great at the small things. Mm-hmm. Like small puzzles, you know, um, like video games and uh, um, board games, I guess, like Clue. He's terrible at and hates, but he's more passionate and a genius at the big stuff. Which is really funny because Clue has mentioned a couple times of how he hates it. And the whole movie plays out like a Clue. Yeah. <laughs> when uh, he has Helen making motives and opportunities she's literally doing the check marks like they do in the clue game and uh i i love that the end when he calls out miles uh edward norton's character for how dumb he is and how he tries to basically trick people into thinking that he's smart when he's really not and that was one of the big reveals is um 
so Miles stole Andy's idea and then he killed her and made all her friends turn against her in court um, to, to basically ruin her. And for him at the end to call him out on how stupid he is and that anybody could see through his deception, it, I thought was really clever. Yeah, he points out that uh, you know he didn't make the puzzle boxes, he didn't write the mystery, um, he just hired all these other people to do these things. Uh, I think Lionel created the hydrogen thing, but like everyone, like Lionel and Cassandra, they like they all refused to go along like further the project, and so that's mm-hmm. why the murder happens because they were going to uh, silence it. Lionel was a little more amenable to keeping it going, but yeah, Cassandra was going to put an end to it, and that's why. Uh, exactly, that's why she was murdered. But then, uh, then uh, Blanc gets frustrated with himself because he basically inspired uh, Cody's <laughs> murder uh, and uh, Helen's uh, potential murder. Because uh, yeah, Miles was so like had no had no plan <laughs> up until everyone arrived at the island. So that was pretty, yeah, pretty amazing. And I love too when um, Ryan Johnson replayed uh, several scenes from the beginning, but made them extended scenes so you could yeah. see what actually was happening, what was going on. In different angles, yeah. Yeah. Just a super clever movie and really funny. Yeah, so funny. And yeah, just it's so clever with like the different angles of things, especially like with the glass switch, you know, mm-hmm. until you watch it twice, you're not sure, you're still not sure. Yeah, um, you're like, oh, well, that he just did that on purpose. But if you watch it a couple times, like, yeah, it's 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 the right way the first time, and yeah, it's seated is different. Once uh, Miles mentions that he uh, had the glasses switched, and um, yeah, like when Cassandra's on the boat, you know, you think she's, you know, this other person. Well, I guess when yeah. Hel- Helen's on the boat, you think she's this you know, scorned other person. And then you realize like there's these other two levels of the boat where things are going on. And she's actually just seasick and. Yeah, it's good stuff. And then, like, uh, <laughs> there's the like the Banksy dock <laughs> for <Yeah>. the boat. <laughs> like, how dumb that was. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they can't get help. Because yeah, the tide's too low. The load, the, and the random dude who's just hanging out there. What's his friend's name? <laughs> oh yeah, Daryl. Oh, that was a great joke too. <laughs> yeah, like it's just us, except for Daryl. He, and he's like, I'm not here, and he just like wanders <laughs> through the background of most scenes. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, yeah. His friend just, Noah Segan. Yeah, and it's like it, the movie is really like beautifully shot. It's staged so well. I love the costume design in it. Yeah, they definitely spent that Netflix money. Oh, I'm pretty sure. sure a lot of that island, like with the glass onion, is CGI. Like they didn't built. They didn't build like a glass structure or nothing. Yeah. So that looks really good. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's a definitely an A plus uh, film that's used. I mean, between the writing, the directing, the acting. And, you know, for movies like this, you need really good actors because the scenes are driven by dialogue and their performances. Yeah, the dialogue is so fantastic. Like, you, you care about every one of these characters, no matter how prominent or. Uh, in the background they are like i said even daryl is like <laughs> so important yeah and I, lo- I love that kate hudson's character is so stupid <laughs> when she signed off on 
uh, okaying sweatshops. She thought sweatshops were just the name of the place where they made sweatpants. Yep. <laughs> and her and assistant uh, is so mad. It's great. LeBlanc ha- or that's not uh, that's my character. Uh, uh, Benoit Blanc has that line when they're uh, you know she says something about like how she says what she thinks and he says uh, God what is it? It's dangerous to confuse speaking freely with um, oh shoot. You don't remember? No, I don't. Sorry. Uh, after like um, Miles gives his big disruptor speech, um, oh. and then he points to her, and she's not something about like I just I just speak my mind. I say whatever I want. And people can't handle it. And then the block or then while Blanc turns to her and uh, says something like, uh, "You know, it's 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 dangerous to confuse uh, speaking one's mind with like speaking the truth or something." Yeah, yeah, no, that is a great fudge. I can't remember what it is, but I know it is I a butchered, great line. I butchered it. Yeah, but then she just like it goes w- right over her head, and she's like, "Oh, so you think I'm dangerous?" <laughs> like she's being yeah. cute. Yeah, yeah, I love that uh, too. That you think that whiskey is just some woman who's hooking up with Edward Norton's character when she's actually maybe the smartest one there. Yeah, and she's like she's calculated doing it. in the fact that she's building her brand. And she's exactly. using all these guys to do it. Yeah, it's just it's it's fascinating. So yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Did we so, miss anything? <laughs> um, it's it. There's a lot of layers to it. We definitely missed a bunch of stuff. Uh, uh, gosh, yeah. I, I, I... Well, the end is interesting too because after Benoit like lays out everything. Um, Edward Norton's character burns up the napkin that Andy wrote, and then all his friends revert back to, well, we didn't see anything because they still want to live off of his fortune. And Benoit hands uh, Helen the little hydrogen energy crystal thing. they had been keeping all weekend, apparently, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he busts all his stuff and he doesn't care until she throws it into the vents, which the whole house is powered by it, which they mentioned earlier that it's be like the Hindenburg. So his whole house goes up and she burns and destroys his fortune. I guess she doesn't. Um, The house destroys the Mona Lisa. And um, that's how he's going to be remembered. And she doesn't care about anything else. And, um, yeah. it's just really like uh, comeuppance for him because what was his line about the Mona Lisa? I remember. I want to be remembered in the same breath as the Mona Lisa. And yeah, so she's like, now you will be. You're the guy who ruined, who destroyed it. And yeah. it, it's just, uh, yeah. So I mean, he doesn't die, but I mean, he does in a in a way. And it's just an interesting end to the film, and I think a justified one. Um. Well, yeah, because now he has to somehow like pay, he's gonna have to pay for that painting with like his fortune. So now he's penniless, and then yeah, now that he has basically no fortune, his friends turn against him. Yeah, and now he will be remembered for the Molias as an asshole who destroyed it. So well, and he'll be convicted um, for Cassandra's murder because now no one's protecting him. Yep. 
because I kind of do that too. It's uh, yeah, it's just f- a fascinating end. And then you know, Blanc and Daryl are smoking <laughs> at the end, <laughs> watching it all burn up. <laughs> yeah, there's also those great moments when like the the lights went out because the uh, yeah, there was the um the hourly dong <laughs> as they called it, which is voiced by <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, like every hour, there's just this dong noise that goes off around around the island. But yeah, once it's programmed for the murder mystery for all the lights to go out, it's just uh, everyone's freaking out. Like that was really funny, yeah. especially when uh, whiskey and uh, Helen are in, uh, like the in the 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 ransacked room, and they're just like screaming at each other, like "Don't kill me! Don't kill me!" because they think it's also amazing. Like with the dialogue, because I had to think, you know, at that point, like the first time I watched, it, I didn't get that whiskey you know, had put it together that like the dialogue that Helen's saying right then and there really feels like she killed Duke. Like she's confessing to killing Duke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got that on this. You know, I just thought in general, she was afraid of everybody. But in that moment, like I'm listening to Cassandra, like the exact words like would, you know, scare anybody um, who's paranoid um, into things that she specifically is the murderer. So like that was really clever. Yeah, true. Yeah, there's. This is what I'm just like an onion. There are so many layers to this film that it requires more than one viewing. And I, I wish that my life wasn't so hectic right now because I barely was able to see it in the theater as as it is. And I'm so glad that I suffered to go see it and stay awake late and make my training go by really slow today but it was totally worth it yeah um yeah i can't wait to watch it again when they put up the if they put up this the blu-ray they totally need to do a puzzle box steelbook cover for it that would be sweet i'm hoping that they will do one because uh as we've learned um and i'll just make this the big news story for the well there's like two really um but the biggest one uh from tales from the box office is this film only played in like 600 theaters and it made almost $15 million, which is by far the highest per screen average this year, this week. Yeah. Most of the screens I had to go to, I had to, I had to get like first or second row seats because they were always full up by the time I went to buy my ticket. In fact, the first one I'd bought weeks ago, and then by the time, you know, the day came, like so many people mm-hmm. had filled in next to me that I was like, oh, I'll go to this other screening. And then even though I picked like the most obscure seats, people just kept filing in. And so, yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty well, it's good for those, theaters. Yeah. And it's one of those movies. I think if it was in theaters that one, it'd, it'd make a lot of money. It's opening week. But it'd be one of those movies that played a long time because it's such a crowd pleaser, you know? Mm hmm. And I think it just keep going and going and going. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll end the glass onion there. And then I'll tell you the one new story of the week that kind of just happened. It's real news. Legendary cut ties with uh, Warner Brothers and they formalized a deal with Sony. 
so um legendary is that really they're like a huge movie producer they did dune and the godzilla films and batman and, and yeah and batman um obviously they won't be producing batman stuff so, yeah. um uh but my guess is i mean i don't know if uh my guess is warner brothers is still probably doing dune and maybe godzilla and that this um sony and legendary thing will probably be new movies going forward which i won't be surprised if you know their marvel stuff falls underneath it oh yeah like yeah spider-man and morbius <laughs> yeah i don't know if spider-man will because i'm guessing they're still going to try to do uh the disney and marvel deals but um because there is rumors that they those they did sign tom holland to like a uh, new trilogy which Maybe until i hear official stuff i won't say anything but i definitely heard that it's been going around the the news cycle that they he resigned Maybe they'll just be picking up all those Marvel characters that Sony has that they've wanted to make awesome, but just haven't been able to. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'd be, I know that it's probably hard being Spider Man, but I'd be surprised if Marvel and Sony and Tom Holland don't make another deal since you know Spider Man No Way Home made you know almost two billion dollars. It seems silly for them not to. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if you were like in Tom Holland, I mean, you could ask for what? $100 million a movie, probably? Oof, I don't know. Maybe in 2003, like like Tobey Maguire did. But I think uh, the film business is still pretty afraid I mean, to the... shell out that kind of money for one person. I think with all the back-end deals, you probably could. You know, licensing and you know, how much did Robert Downey Jr. make for Endgame? Fifty, I think. Like, yeah, but I think at the at the end of it, he ended up making like almost ninety million or something. So, and they're gonna have to. There's this uh, Comic Con or something that Sony's at. No, I don't know if it's next week or the week after, but. That's what they're pegging that they might announce it. That Tom Holland is coming back for Spider-Man Four. We shall see. We shall see. Hey, here's something we watched this week that we're going to talk about. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Lay it on me, Brad. What you watched this week that you want to talk about? I guess. Do you want to hear me talk about the Fablemans? Wait, is that going to be an episode? Uh, I think it's going to have to be um, because yeah. I th- I think the week before Avatar, there's nothing. And then I think the week after, too. Okay, but I'll, let I'll, me double check. I'll hold on that one. And then. Um, yeah, I'll just I'll say it later. Uh, OK, either Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, the outfit or goodnight Oppie. Uh well I saw the Hall uh, the holiday special too. Was that what you're gonna talk about? Um, uh yeah, we can. Or I also saw um Strange World, so <laughs> Oh. Um let's do the Guardians together and then let's do our 
I'll do good night, Oppie. Cool. So yeah, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy did a holiday special that I thought was really delightful. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Again, that 45-minute runtime really screws with me because it's just over so fast. I'm used to, you know, yeah, the Guardians no, I, for two-plus hours. I agree. It's one of those things, though, too, that I I seriously cried twice in it, and I, I, I shouldn't, but I, I do. Yeah, you're just weak. I, I know. <laughs> and I don't know why. Well, um, I do. I mean, I, like, the characters are fun. Um, it could. I think you're right. It could easily have been a full movie, and I still watch it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not uh, a ton going on, and that that's no, kind of. No, no. Um, I, I think that's the thing I didn't like is, you know, everything that happens in the trailer is kind of what the special is. Um, so there wasn't anything I was surprised by except for that one spoilery reveal. Um, yeah, I loved it because. And that's the part where I felt a tear come down is because, um, I mean, I don't care. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Um, Mantis is also the daughter of Ego, so it makes her Quill's, I guess, half-sister. And she's afraid to tell him. And at the end of the special, he says that's the best Christmas gift he could have possibly gotten. And it's not Kevin Bacon. It's that he, he has a new member of his family. And I thought it was a really kind of sweet moment. Does that make a Mantis a Celestial then? I mean, it would have to, right? So I guess she could have helped an Infinity Stone on, on her own? Yeah. But hmm. maybe she doesn't know her powers. I mean, I, I'm guessing they're going to explore it maybe a little more in Volume 3. Um, and I mean, it was fun, like the Kevin Bacon thing. And I even liked his um, when he was talking to Sean, oh, fuck, what's uh, James Gunn? Sean Gunn. Yeah. What's his character's name? Craglin. I love that when he was he was talking to him when he's trying to get off of nowhere, and he's explaining to Kevin Bacon why he's so important to Peter Quill, and I thought that was just like a really like sweet, really good moment. Um, yeah. I also like they bought nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And that's like <laughs> their home now. And uh and and the song that uh Kevin Bacon came back and sang was really catchy. Yeah. Well it was, it was a lot of fun. Um yeah, I like uh that Groot has evolved into a young adult and so um yeah, he's a little different. Yeah. Again, yeah, it went by fun. so fast and yeah, you know, it's really just about capturing kevin bacon and uh yeah not not much of a fight is put up about that (laughs) (laughs) well i mean kevin bacon can't do much (laughs) yeah Um, and it but i mean what's fun about it is kevin bacon is totally game um it's a really breezy you know kind of it, it reminds me of the marvel one shots they used to do but now it's just longer that yeah. i wish they still did you know and I totally forgot, like, you know, it seems like Kevin Bacon is just, uh, at, like, out of left field. I, I know he's referenced in the other movie, but, like, even in there, it's just like, oh, they just picked, like, a famous, popular 80s star. And I was like, oh, no, wait. Um, James Gunn worked with Kevin Bacon on S- Super, so. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. And uh, Friday the 13th is MCU canon. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and so is Batman. 
because they referenced Batman? Batman. Yeah, dude, that was cool that they did. They did drop Batman in there. Yeah. And did they say Bruce Wayne too, or just Batman? I can't remember. I think they did mention Bruce Wayne. Now you mentioned. I it. think they did. I think they said Batman and Bruce Wayne and yeah. uh, Margot Robbie and Arnold Schwarzenegger are in it. Um, on the uh, map to the stars, they pop up. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's just a fun little thing. Yeah. Like I said, it's like a Marvel one shot that's 45 minutes long. Cool. So uh, what did you watch uh, besides that, Brad? Um, I watched uh, Goodnight Oppie, which is a documentary about uh, the uh, Opportunity Rover um, that was on, on Mars for 15 years. Okay. Um, it also touches on Spirit, the companion uh, rover. Um, and uh, it's cool to see the you know they they chronicle it from the idea to building it to sending it out there to it's like the time on mars and the things that it found um Mm -hmm. but the part that's frustrating is they the edit goes through like great lengths to make it i guess more not surprisingly more dramatic and more um i know poppy (laughs) than you think it should be like um gotcha sometimes documentaries do that yeah like it's 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 uh made by am or funded by amazon so they obviously have enough money to um license like expensive songs um so every day the uh monitoring team when they would wake up the rovers you know know, coming for work they'd play a wake-up song and so four or five times throughout the movie, they reference. And so you'll have like, um, you know, suddenly they have a, oh God, wake me up before you go, go. Like that's the last one. Gotcha. I, I forget the other ones were, but um, they just make a point about the wake up songs over and over again. It feels like they're just trying to like, hey, you know, we're, this is an excuse to put, you know, more production value into the movie. And like, it's already, they've already got like Lucasfilm and ILM making the cgi animations oh, of wow. the robots on mars because obviously there's no outside cameras for the rovers driving around on mars so yeah. they have a complete cgi mars landscape with the cgi versions of the rovers hmm. you know obviously everything on earth they have the real thing and the models and stuff like that but yeah when it's to make it cooler to watch the rover do its thing on, on mars they just you know cgi'd it as a fully 3d animation thing which is really cool um but then also the real crux of it is imbuing the rovers, you know, making them feel like living, breathing entities. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, when you build it and you put two cameras in the front, it looks like, you know, a human face and we all get attached to it. And, mm. um, you know, like I, I don't uh, like reject, you know, everyone getting attached to the like robots. Like I, like I do that too, but the way the edit goes, it just makes, there's so many things that they have all the interviewees make reference to, you know, like when the robot ha- like arm starts failing, they reference it as like arthritis. Oh, like, then the robot had arthritis and, um, you know, it started like to lose too, it. too cute for its own good. Yeah. It's like, it's extra cute. And it's also, yeah, just, um, you know, what, when it starts to, not work as well it like it's a it's it's starting to have like 
memory loss, which I'm like, I don't understand how, you know, it's just sending a signal back and forth. I don't know how it's like, I don't know if it's storing data, like it's just going back and forth to NASA. So I don't know why you think it has memory, like what's it forgetting, you know? Yeah. Um, like, does it yeah. store the information and then send it to you? Um, Cause then I don't know like how it's like, you don't, you're not saying you're getting less information from it. So yeah, stuff like that, just like, it makes it too, um, anthropomorphic i guess um Mm. just to amp up the drama and make them feel like people on mars instead of just rovers so like that's the only part i was like uh okay you're a little too far (laughs) like i see what you're doing uh but in that yeah it's just it was was amazing to see like yes it was only supposed to go for 90 days and then spirit went for five years until one of the wheels broke and it just got stuck and then trapped in the cold and couldn't power up anymore and then yeah opportunity went for 15 which is incredible wow um yeah and that shows how these uh these cyclones like little mini twist uh dust devils would appear on mars and like you think they'd wipe out the rovers but actually ended up cleaning the rovers like it like pick them up and toss them it just like went through them and then wiped all the dust off of their solar arrays so it was actually oh, I was going to wait, like helped him. Yeah, like it was actually out there cleaning them, like getting all the. Because eventually, like what really did, yeah, did him in was like all the dust that accumulated in the gears and things, and just made them slower and, um, you know, tires breaking. And you know, at one point, they had ended up having to drive the rovers backwards because, like, with a shopping cart, you know, when that one <laughs> wheel goes. It's hard to push it yep. forward, but it's easier to pull it backward. <laughs> yeah. So they just reverse its trajectory. And yeah, because yeah, it did, the head can look 360, so it doesn't matter. So wow. um, yeah, and like That's it awesome. took a selfie at one point. So they had like hundreds of little 64 pixel by 64 uh, pixel images that they reconstructed. So there's actual, there is at least one picture of the rover itself on mars which is pretty cool that is really cool yeah and they've already sent out a perseverance i I guess or it's on its way so there'll be more in hd this time (laughs) hell yeah presumably so but there's other things too like you're like you're watching it it's like oh why didn't the nasa guys design it like this you know Mm -hmm. all these exposed things i'm like you didn't build like a protective case around all this stuff so that the dust wouldn't get in. Like, I guess that would add to the weight of it and the weight's already a problem. So hopefully the next round, you know, they fix stuff like that, like the solar arrays or, uh, you know, like horizontal and they actually need them to be angled to catch the sun out there as, you know, the seasons change. So hopefully then the next one has them at different, like different panels at different angles. So they're not all stuck with just top to bottom. Um, yeah so yeah it's a really interesting kind of not terribly in depth but also you know, like commercial enough documentary i guess as i can say yeah so is that on amazon prime it's on amazon prime yep i tried to see it in the theater it was out for like a week at the share artist and i missed it so now it's on prime so i got to watch it and yeah um, uh, yeah, the the thing I watched this week is Strange World, which is the new Disney animated film, and it's okay. Um, the, 
the story is about this world famous explorer um, and his son, and they're looking for to see what's beyond the mountains of their world called Avalonian. And well, on the way there, the son discovers uh, this plant that's growing, and the dad wants to continue on. They get in a fight. Um, flash forward to 25 years later, the father never came back. The son now is known as, uh, the, I don't know if the sa- a savior is the right word, but basically this plant uh, powers everything in their world, whether it's their little helicopters, their crop dusters. It's basically electricity plants. Um, and then you find they find out that the plant is dying, and the only way is to go underneath their uh, world. And they find that underneath the world is a strange one where there's lots of weird creatures. And um, I can't believe I can't remember the character's name. Like Clade, I think, is their name um, for the for the dad. He's surprised, Brad. He's in the strange world. <gasps> Yeah, I know. It's a twist you didn't see coming. Um, yeah, it's uh, Clade, and so it's Jaeger Clade is the dad. Searcher Clade is his son, and they also uh, so it's 25 years later and Searcher has a son who doesn't want to be a farmer, um, doesn't know if he wants to be an explorer like his grandfather. Um, so it's a uh, father-son dynamic too uh it's beautifully animated uh but it's just i don't know it's not sounds a bit convoluted yeah and there's nothing surprising about it i mean when you find out what's really going on i mean it's kind of a cool twist but at the same time i never watched it in you know when you watch something like wally or even something like frozen where you're having a lot of fun when you watch it. This one just seems like, Oh, it looks nice. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, it, and I knew it, it was okay too. Cause when I asked Kellen, if he liked it, he says, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> and Kellen usually likes everything I take him to. So, um, I think it's kind of like strange world. It should be really, really strange. Yeah. And it's, and I know it's not doing well, and I don't think they marketed it very well because no. you know, as I, was, I know. And as I was watching the film, I go, man, I don't even know how you would market this movie because it's. Yeah, I think I saw the trailer two months ago, like yeah, for like three weeks in a row, and then nothing. Yeah, and the, the trailer is played, and the, it's in the film too, where it's look at these crazy adventurers, you know, kind of like the 1930s, 40s. Yeah. Yeah. Serials. And it just makes me miss hand drawn animation a ton as well. Um, because there's the opening of it and there's some flashbacks in it that are hand drawn. And it's not a traditional hand drawn. It's kind of like comic booky where they have the old newsprint style of ink where it's like the dots, you know, and like it just look, yeah, and it looks really cool. And I, I watched uh, the documentary of Mickey Mouse that uh, Disney Plus put out, and there's an overarching theme throughout it where 
the a bunch of Disney animators are hand drawing Mickey through time, and it's only a minute long, but it's all hand drawn, and they talk about you know it's something like three thousand Mickey Mouse drawings, and it just looks so cool. And I I don't know about you, but I really miss that look, and that's why I love those um, Irish ones that came out. Um, the Wolf Walkers and um, Song of the Sea. Mm-hmm. I I just miss that kind of animation bad. Yeah, it's just uh, they they don't feel like it's enough to attract people to. That's the thing about movies these days. Like they all have to be at, at event pictures, and they don't think two D animation's an event. You know, it makes me wonder if they actually treated it like one. You know what I mean? Like they said, "Hey, we're going back." This is going to be a princess story or actually made it an event because you could, but it's how they treat them. You know, cause I, I was reading that that strange world cost $180 million to produce. Yeah. It that's just feels like insane. they intentionally torpedoed it. And I'm guessing that's the reason why too, that former CEO was voted out because I mean, it's going to end up losing them. They're estimating a hundred million dollars. They're like, hey, uh, that $180 million movie we got coming out, I haven't seen a trailer for in two months. What's going on with that, Bob? <laughs> like, Yeah. Oh, yeah, shit. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to decide if I want it on Disney Plus or in the theater or not. I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> no, we're just going to fire you. Which I, I think, too, I think Disney's hurt its brand a little bit with Disney Plus. Because something like Lightyear, you know, they put, was it two or three Pixar movies in a row straight to Disney Plus? So I think yeah. it actually hurt Lightyear too. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and I mean, Lightyear is another one that's beautifully animated, and it's a fun movie. It's just I don't know. It's no, I, they I got think it out. really quickly. Audiences got you know because again, those audiences are children mostly. Like pay, like parents pay attention when it's in the theaters. You know, yeah. When it's on Disney Plus, yeah. it's it's a it's a babysitter. <laughs> Fair enough. So I think uh, people got really accustomed to be like, "Oh, Pixar just makes the streaming content that watches over my kid while I'm busy." <laughs> um, and so they stop. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a bummer. Yeah, they did. They deserve better. But again, Pixar is also into its like what thirtieth film at this point. Yeah, uh, their new one looks interesting. Uh, I mean. But- Pixar still makes great films. And I mean, this was a Disney like animation studios one and I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm sure they'll go through a lull and then they'll find another one. That's going to be awesome. But yeah, it's like original Disney, you know, they had a bunch of hits right out of the gate because animation was fresh and new. And then, you know, by the late sixties and everyone was old, they they got into a rut of making the same stuff. And yeah, cause they couldn't, <laughs> they're too old to like yeah. work harder. And then eventually the Renaissance came around and, in the nineties and it was all great again. So it's just ups and downs. And yeah, I, I'll downpoint. reiterate. I don't, I don't think strange world is a bad movie. It's just. Okay. If that makes sense. It's like a treasure planet where it's not a bad film. It's just there. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. It's just, yeah, it's just yeah. not going to, it's not going to, you know, do 15 million in 600 theaters. <laughs> yeah. An opening weekend, apparently. So, <laughs> exactly like other films, like even Fablemans, you know, didn't. Yeah. Oh, a yeah. Spielberg movie. Too. 
didn't do well. What's well, so. another one? Like, how many trailers for that did you see? You know what I mean? I don't know. Definitely not in like the. Yeah, I, I saw it in art houses. That's about it. Which yeah, it's kind of like from a business point, based on what I saw with the movie, that makes sense. But you can't complain when you know, the box offices don't reflect. Um, you know, and, and Hollywood's done it to itself because I've been bemoaning about this forever. Why is there such a huge gap between movies? And then this week, you're going to literally put out four wide releases. I know you're trying to capitalize on the Thanksgiving holiday, but there was nothing from, you know, there's two weeks of nothing but Black Panther. And they're they're fucking over their own exhibition. Yeah, instead of taking like second place during Black Panther, they're like, maybe we can get first place out like over here. But it's like, and then you, yeah, then you make nine million opposed to, I don't know, 20, 30 million. Yeah. Well, what do we know? We've only been seeing movies for decades. Yep. We, we totally should have been hired as uh, industry presidents. Yeah, studio. we would have yeah. fixed everything. We've, we got all the answers, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Next week on Real Nerds, we're starting Christmas early. Our film of the week is Violent Night, which I think looks fun. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I expect just, uh, you know, it's, it's from the makers of, uh, oh, my God, the Bob Kirk one. Uh, nobody? Nobody. And I expect nobody, but with Santa Claus instead of Bob Odenkirk. So <laughs> I'm here yeah. for it. I'm down. It should be good. Or at least a nice distraction. And then uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks, we got Film Explosion 2022. I know. I gotta, I'm got. i starting to hunker down, too, because I'm going to have my favorite Blu-rays coming out article. I'm still working on my Rod Stewart stuff. My 150 favorite films is starting to post. Um, I'm busy. But uh, if you haven't yet, you should. Uh, have you watched your Wally Blu-ray? Holy cow. The special features of the movie, both. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't have a 4K TV, so I won't fully enjoy my 4K disc. Unfortunately, oh, shit. yeah. I guess I could yeah, plug, um, plug it into the monitors at my computer, but if I can that? borrow from uh, Jasmine, it's a whole new world. Um, awesome! It's just the colors and the detail. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorite Blu-rays of the year for sure. Um, so yeah, we'll. See you at the movies next week. Bye. Well, a real nerd knows who shot a real nerd. Can follow the plot of a real nerd. Look at all the gods. Lights, camera, action. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes. Read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bologna for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.